0: Hi, I'm Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. Welcome to the 905er. They say that the news moves fast, and that was certainly the case this week. On Tuesday, October 20th, Doug Ford announced that his government would introduce legislation to remove the ability for Ontario municipalities to elect their councils by using ranked ballots. This caused quite the uproar in the province as it shocked everyone by coming seemingly out of nowhere. We had covered ranked ballots in previous episodes with Dave Meslin, highlighting the fact that Burlington was in the process of examining if they wished to pursue ranked ballots for their next municipal election. We knew we needed to return to this topic immediately this week, which is why we reached out to London City Councillor Jesse Helmer for Tuesday's episode for his experience going through a ranked ballot election already. We also reached out to Burlington Mayor Mary Ann Meadward to provide that city's perspective on the sudden change to the municipal landscape, and she agreed to come on this episode. And then something else huge happened. Mayor Mead Ward, along with the other mayors and regional chair of Halton, as with Jane McKenna, PC MPP for Burlington, and Parm Gill, PC MPP for Milton, wrote letters to Premier Ford and the Ontario Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Williams. Those letters spelled out an argument on behalf of Halton residents for the Premier to keep Halton in Stage 3. This, in the shadow of the Premier openly musing about needing to return Halton to Stage 2 in order to keep COVID-19 case numbers down. This letter has sent ripples through the province's political class and has turned most of the province's attention to Halton. We couldn't pass up the opportunity to discuss the issue with the Mayor of Burlington about this turn of events. And what you're about to hear is our discussion and interview with Mayor Mead Ward about both topics. Afterwards, we hope you'll continue to listen as Roland and I dissect some of what is said here. Enjoy. I'd like to thank uh, Mayor Marianne Ann Mead Ward for joining us here today on the 905er. I know your time is valuable, so we won't uh, waste any more time with uh, introductions. Um, Let's just uh, get right into it, talking about the ranked ballot decision by the uh, provincial government that happened last week. Was any notice given to you or to city council about the uh, the provincial government's decision regarding ranked ballots?
1: This totally took us by surprise, and uh, it it's introduced in legislation. It hasn't passed yet, so I will be working on a letter to our MPP and the premier asking them not to do this. There's, uh, there's still time, maybe not a lot of time, but still time to maybe uh, rethink this. Uh, and we're, uh, two of my colleagues are also working on a council resolution for our Monday council meeting coming up uh, to send the same message. So um, unless they sort of fast track this legislation, the confidence that residents have in their, in their electoral system is critically important. And, and it's worth the money we spend on it.
0: Well, we did have uh, Councillor Jesse Helmer from London, Ontario, on uh, our previous episode to talk about London's experience, and we did touch on the the costs associated with the the switch. So it's interesting to hear that the mayors seem to be having the same discussions (laughs) amongst themselves. Why do you think the province decided that now, of all times, would be the time to change this law?
1: I really, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I I really don't know. The arguments that have been provided don't frankly hold water uh, with me uh, we we have to run the regular business of the city at the same time as we are dealing with the pandemic and that's going to continue for some time so the world doesn't stop when we have a pandemic nor should it and so uh, so that that argument that we all need to be uh, I, I suppose the subtext is exclusively focused on COVID. We haven't been at, throughout this pandemic because the regular business of the city needs to continue. Our residents uh, have uh, service needs that we will continue to uh, to address, and uh, and COVID's going to be with us for a long time in one shape or form. And so, um, so we just have to get used to doing two things. <laughs> Got to walk and chew gum here, <laughs> right. um, you know. <laughs> Some of the uh, some of the other arguments that I've heard, we touched on the cost. Uh, you know, they mentioned the fact that the threshold hasn't been met in places like Kingston and Cambridge, and by that they mean the uh, minimum voter turnout threshold of fifty percent. And um, sadly, municipal elections don't get significant turnout. And I actually looked up uh, AMO, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario has a great website, and they've tracked voter turnout on average back to 1988. So um, we have never cracked 50%. Province-wide, mm-hmm. the, the highest is, it's, you know, it hovers around 40, 45. Burlington typically gets about, uh, you know, 35 percent turnout. And and one of the arguments actually in favor of ranked ballots, uh, and I'm still looking for information to see if this was true in London, uh, you may have it already, but that, that more people would vote because they feel their vote actually truly does matter, truly does count, uh, not just their main choice vote, their second and their third choice vote votes uh, will count. And so I can tell you when I've canvassed uh, the many elections that I've been part of at the door and I hear people say, well, what is my one vote matter? I'm not going to vote. Uh, you know, we hope to turn that around and increase voter turnout. So, so this argument that that 50 percent threshold wasn't met to make it binding um is you know any any referendum question put on a ballot regardless of how meritorious that question if that's the threshold you've killed it before you've started the dialogue um but in Kingston and Cambridge they uh they actually did get a majority of those who did vote in support and that's really important and in London they actually did it so I think the the uh, the appetite is there for the public to consider a new way of voting.
2: And no community has voted no yet in a, in a referendum. And even a referendum of less than 50% is far more, uh, well, I mean, it's equally good as every municipal election we have. And the municipal elections, like you say, never get 50%. Well, so are we going to abolish councils? Oh.
1: I got elected on less than 50%. Uh, I'm here making these decisions, right? I was close. I think I was 46, but, well, but nevertheless. And,
2: uh, yeah, and point, point me to the premier who has 50% of the vote. Uh, <laughs> um, exactly. Opening this up slightly into the wider picture, you know, if anything characterizes your, your kind of political career, it, it's been the issue of provincial interference in in municipal affairs do you think this is a do you think this is a trend that we're seeing generally and what do you think needs to happen to turn that around if if so
1: so this is a step in the wrong direction towards more provincial control and say over municipalities I have always believed that municipalities are a a mature order of government. We are our own order of government. We are chosen directly by the people. We are the most uh, closely linked to the people, the closest level of government. I can walk out my front door and people can stop me and tell me what they think about what I'm doing. And uh, we saw some really hopeful signs actually, uh, early in the pandemic from this government and this province recognizing uh, statements, recognizing the value of uh, municipal choice and independence, and supporting the fact that uh, certainly in a pandemic uh, we are on the front lines of of service, and and has been very consultative on almost every other thing. Uh, I speak regularly to the premier, and uh, you know we have uh, we have good dialogue, and and so this really did uh, come as a shock, but. But the the bigger picture, and this has been uh, raised by myself and others, is a whole new relationship between municipalities in the province. It is long overdue. This is just one more example of why we need a new relationship. But uh, and you you know you've heard me talk about uh, eliminating the local planning appeal tribunal, the former Ontario Municipal Board, a provincial creation of ele- of non-elected. Uh, appointed individuals who get to choose development in a community they don't live in, and they're not elected to serve. And that's just one example. So uh, actually later uh, this week, I have a meeting with the folks from Toronto who started the charter cities movement. And the entire essence of that movement is getting more uh, more responsibility and decision-making power right into the hands of local governments. And that's uh, I'm I'm firmly committed to that on on this issue as well as a host of other issues. Uh, I I think we need election reform, uh, but not the type they're talking about. We need financial uh, funding reform. I can talk all day about that. Um, the well, the maybe that's uh, lack, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lack of oversight of uh, third party advertising and so forth, but. But, you know, these are these are decisions that should be made by local councils because we are directly accountable. If we make a decision that our public doesn't like, we will not be around. Um, and and so and there's no party politics. There's no partisanship. It is truly based on the policies, as it should be. And uh, and so I will continue to advocate for local choice on this issue. You know, should we go down the path of ranked ballots? I, I think we should have the conversation. I'm absolutely open to it. I've seen some of the arguments in favor of it. I haven't made a decision, and I wouldn't until our community uh, weighs in on that. Um, but I, but they need, the, they need the opportunity to do it.
0: Can you maybe tell us what the City of Burlington is going to do? Because I know that uh, the ranked ballot uh, question was brought to committee, and it was uh, put forward to go to council to examine. And I'm just curious to know, what what's the City of Burlington's plans... Going forward on this entire uh, subject,
1: yeah, it's a good question, and I think this is—we're still—it's early days, right? We're still figuring out what what to do. So our first, you know, our first uh, response, of course, is to say, "Whoa, (laughs) don't do this," Uh, and uh, let us have the conversation. Let us choose. If that is unsuccessful uh we can continue to consult with our community uh if we want to spend the time and money i i think that might be a tougher sell with our community because it's a conversation with no meaningful uh chance of success right now um so you know so we'd have to weigh that but the other option of course at any time the city could put a a referendum question on the ballot Uh, To take the temperature, to take the temperature of the public, it's an expression of we're interested in exploring this. And so if we get shown the door on this one and they're not open to to uh, giving us local choice on ranked ballots, uh, we could still uh, put a question on the ballot. That, that also comes with a cost because you have to educate the public, right. there's some additional things you have to do uh, in that regard, and that ultimately would be a choice of, you know, a decision of the, the, the entire council, whether we wanted to go down that path, but that is an option.
0: Well, you have two years to uh, to plan that out, I suppose.
1: Actually, only about one. You have okay. to put a question on the ballot the early in the year of an election, but you have to tee it up before. So we'd have right. about a okay. year to make that choice, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we'll see what, what happens uh, on that front. Um, while we have you here, um, we did want to talk to you about the two letters that you signed uh, sure. to the Premier uh, that you released on Saturday. Uh, one to uh, one letter uh, or sorry, both letters were to Premier Ford and Dr. Williams, uh, the chief uh, medical officer for Ontario. One was from you signed your name with to Jane McKenna, as well as Perm Gill. Uh, and the other was from all the mayors and the regional chair uh, of Halton. So we're all clear. Starting off, was any official motion put forward by Burlington City Council to endorse these letters before you signed on to them?
1: We uh, no, there there was no uh, there was no vote of council to to do that, and and that's not uncommon. I mean, the mm. the mayor does speak on behalf of. Uh, of the constituency, uh, mm-hmm. makes statements on behalf of of our residents. We certainly have heard from our businesses that they are not looking to roll back into stage two. so uh, so I wear this one. Uh, mm-hmm. but the public is with me, right? Uh, I have I can tell you there has been overwhelming support uh, before uh, you know, before the decision, when we were hearing the rumors. Uh, I, you know, people reached out and said, "Do what you can, not to let us roll back," um, and and overwhelming support after those letters went out. And then when the decision was made, again another wave. We we've been trending on uh, Twitter Canada wide, Alton, <laughs> yes, for the actually. last three or four days, right? And if you look at the comments, it's overwhelmingly in support of uh, our simple request. Which was uh make decisions based on the data and the criteria, which, if you look at the data and I'm okay. sure they are, we don't meet it. we don't meet the health criteria to roll us back and so uh so that was uh so that was our message as mayors um and I can tell you uh. My colleagues have been quite supportive of that. They've written to me and said, uh, you know, thanks for doing this and really glad uh, that we're not rolling back. So not, I haven't heard from everybody, but I, you know, there are times when you, um, you have to assume that you have the pulse of your council and your community and you speak. We don't call okay. a meeting for every for every I, <laughs> every I, time I, I, I do understand. an interview, I don't call a meeting of council. I understand. Uh, you got to know your community, and I think I do. Well, uh, in I want, fact, I, I know I do on this issue.
0: Well, I want to talk about the letter um, from Jane McKenna, which you signed on to. In the letter, uh, and I'm just quoting here, even with our numbers continuing to decline, we understand that Halton's Medical Officer of Health is pushing to move Halton Region Back to phase two next week, in line with Peel, Toronto, York, and Ottawa. And do you, so, do you, are you disagreeing with Dr. McGani's assessment of the situation?
1: So, Dr. McGani has never actually said to me that she wants us to uh, to stay in stage two. Um, and, and in fact, she has uh, publicly not recommended that either. So, there's we're not offside with our public health official. Uh, there's no conflict there. And in fact. Um, we, uh, She issued some uh, recommendations about a week and a half ago when there were first rumors that we might get rolled back, and then we weren't, and then the rumors started again. Uh, she issued some recommendations uh, around a range of things, but uh, most notably canceling fitness classes and um uh, suspending GAMEPLAY, So it's only training and practice. We implemented that voluntarily in the city of Burlington within 24 hours. So we follow the, the advice and the recommendations of our medical officer of health. She has not officially, uh, or publicly said, uh, that she wants us to roll back into stage two. She issued a statement today, simply reiterating her recommendations and, and we implemented those so that we could avoid a uh, rollback to stage two. So you still have the confidence? I absolutely have confidence in our medical officer of health. And, um, and I, my personal view, there is no conflict. Uh, I have great respect for her. And, And the, the, the main point of the letter and why I put my name to it is we are simply asking for the decision to be based on evidence and for a targeted approach. I stand by that. That was the most important piece of the letter. And, um, uh you know there there's not much more drama than that and so, and and the you know that's what residents and the public are looking for
2: so the number that uh Dr McGarney mentioned in her uh, presentation to the holton region i think uh was it back on the nineteenth something like that uh, mm-hmm. she mentioned around twenty five uh case mark for the region now we have been up to twenty eight uh actually the most recent complete data for halton region is you know they say be careful with the last two weeks data because we're not sure it's complete so the last day on which they say this is reliable was the day it was 28 so is that not evidence that that we're trending in a dangerous direction Mm
1: -hmm. well certainly as she would say and i would agree that this spike is concerning there's no question about that does it meet the threshold of a blanket shutdown no so we want to, to see the numbers go in another direction. Uh, we had in in Burlington 10 active cases at the beginning of September. And uh, that spiked to now close to 80. So, uh, but we're still at 80 out of, uh, and, and that's now about 250 uh, for all of Halton, a population of 600,000. That. We're nowhere close to the thresholds of infection rates or spread or transmission that the hotspots are. We're not even in the same ballpark. They are double and triple the provincial average. We are still below the provincial average. So even though um, yeah, even though the numbers uh, for a time were going in the wrong direction, we've actually started to come back down on the active cases. So about two weeks ago, we were at 90. We're now down to 80 going in the right direction. We, we kind of hover around 20 to 30 in, uh, in new infections. Uh, we are all watching that very closely, uh, but we have said that is not a reason to shut an economy down entirely and um, without evidence that the business years you're about to close, the workers you're about to send home with no income, that, uh, that they've been the source of the transmission. And, and the evidence isn't there. So where the evidence was there around fitness classes and sports uh, transmission, we shut it down and we'll continue to do that. And that was based, again, on the evidence and the direction from our or the recommendation. We didn't have to do it uh, from the Medical Officer of Health. So Uh, So we're working very closely and we absolutely support that targeted approach. And that was our key message to Dr. David Williams in the letter and to the premier to say, look, uh, before you consider blanket restrictions, unfairly punishing those businesses that are operating safely, that have not been a source of transmission, uh, take a more targeted approach. Look at what your data is telling you. Where is the greatest risk? Based on what we know about the virus or the proof of uh, of transmission, and take targeted restrictions or or targeted recommendations for doing those better, and they agreed with us. So, um, but we're not out of the woods yet. We need to keep seeing those numbers go down.
0: So, are you concerned at all that the that the letters that you that you and the Halton mayor sent might undermine the authority of Halton's medical officer of health as well as the chief medical officer? Of Ontario and their ability to make independent, politically free decisions uh, based on the evidence and the, the science presented to them.
1: Well, we presented evidence to them, and they found the evidence persuasive. It wasn't that we, as a group of politicians, said it. It's what we said. What we said was, uh, "Look at our look at all of the indicators, and there are a whole whole raft of them, and and we." Uh, though we're, you know, we're right on the edge with the new infections, we're well below all of the other indicators. So we said, look at your evidence, look at the health indicators, and make your decision based on that. And we have looked at those indicators and don't think stage two is warranted at this point. They looked at the evidence we presented, and they looked at their own evidence, and they agreed.
0: Sorry, so has the Chief Medical Officer of Ontario agreed not to put Halton into stage two?
1: yeah, they, that was the, that was the decision that was made and that was made in conversation with Dr. David Williams. And he actually did a, an interview yesterday where he said that the medical officer of health of Halton was cool with that. So, you know, that, you know, if you just read the headlines, uh, you'll get a very, um, skewed perspective of what's actually happening and what we actually did. We, we, um, we said, uh, and I think it's quite reasonable, and we can all agree that decisions should be based on health evidence. That was the bottom line. And when we looked at all of the many criteria, um, Burlington didn't didn't come anywhere close to the hot spots, uh, and and more importantly, didn't meet the thresholds that would warrant a shutdown. So so we just really asked them to look at that. We didn't. We don't have the power to tell them what to do, nor would we. But we certainly have the power to ask a reasonable request that the evidence and the decision making be based on transparent public uh, health indicators. Here's our picture in Burlington. We don't meet the threshold. What do you think? And, uh, and they agreed. They, if the indicators change, I think we would all agree that a different decision needs to be made. But that's again, that would be based on evidence.
2: Is there any risk given that, you know, one of the things uh, we know about this disease is that it can kind of catch you out with that two week lag uh, that Mm -hmm. you you don't, what we're seeing today is not what is happening today. It's what happened two weeks ago. Are you taking a a risk uh, by saying we think we're safe when we don't actually know yet?
1: Well, I think the this is coming directly again from the medical uh, various medical officers of health across the country that they think the most recent spike we had was from Thanksgiving, which was about two weeks ago. So, if if that is uh, if their predictions and their assessment is correct, then we should start to see the numbers go down because it's not Thanksgiving anymore. <laughs> and again, that that simply underscores the point that if it's if it was uh, family gatherings uh, where perhaps uh, people let their hair down a little and hugged one another and came into close contact and, and relaxed those, that critical need for social distancing, even within members of your extended family, um, it, again, it's not the businesses that caused that spike. So why would we shut the businesses down? And, and so I can tell you when the decision was made earlier in September by the premier with the health officials to limit uh, social gathering sizes. So if you're having folks over for a party, it's 10 inside. If you're in your backyard, it's 25 outside. I can tell you that directly Into uh, affected a personal friend of mine who had a wedding planned uh, with 50 of us in her backyard and uh, nobody could come. We did it because the evidence was there that social spread in those kinds of, I'll call it um, unsupervised gatherings uh, is where there's a source of, of transmission. And I supported that. We supported that as much as it was challenging on that day uh, because it was based on the evidence. It was a targeted, re- and that was a recommendation, by the way. It wasn't, it wasn't legislation. It was not legislated. Um. So, so that's the approach that we are increasingly asking for. And I I think early in the pandemic, when we were still trying to figure out what it all meant and and how it could spread. And then we learned about asymptomatic and then we brought in masks. And, you know, we now know a little bit more. And I think in the early days, people were just willing to accept, okay, whatever the, you know, whatever uh, you want, uh, elected officials, um, you know, just, just do it. Uh, Now the public are saying, well, you know, show me the evidence, uh, show me the rationale, show me the link to health indicators. And that's fair. That's reasonable. I support that. And that was quite simply our request of uh, of the medical officer of health and the premier.
0: Taking a step back on this one. What, what does it say that we are what eight months into this pandemic now um, you can correct my timeline. If I'm wrong, it feels like it's been forever. Um, and we're still asking for, A plan to live with this. We've we've been told by every medical professional, scientist that says this is going to be our lives for the next foreseeable future. Um, Like, why is it that it seems that we're 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 only stuck between open and shut? There's no living with COVID nineteen. There's no there's no effort being made to come up with a plan that businesses don't have to live in fear of. We're either open or we're shut. And we'll let you know by the weekend. I'm going to editorialize here. Our economy can't function that way. Small businesses can't be Mm operating. Hey, maybe this weekend we'll shut you down. Maybe this weekend you can live to see another week. You wrote the letter. I'm going to sort of, why is it that we don't have a clear plan? We don't have a clear plan of guidance between our daily lives and our economic lives. We don't seem to have a plan to, um, there's many people listening are shaking their heads wondering why are schools forced to be 25 plus Classes um, and businesses are allowed to be. Restaurants are allowed to be open. I'm not putting this on you by any stretch. This is not your responsibility. I'm looking mm-hmm. for your opinion on this because um, it seems that we're we're dealing contradictions in this, and we're keep bumping into walls instead of finding a plan forward.
1: I think just to your last point, I think there's a difference between supervised and unsupervised activity first of all, right, if you can control access to your premises, if you can control where people stand, whether they wear a mask, where they sit, a restaurant would be like that, a grocery store, you know, we've all been in the long lineups to get in, you know, there are ways to, uh, to supervise and control behavior and interactions, uh, arguably, uh, in the classroom setting. Uh, It's those uh, unsupervised uh, you know, opportunities for big gatherings, that's still a huge source of risk. So I think we have to distinguish between those two, uh, first of all, and why they're a little different. Um, but, you know, to your point, I, I think what what the public and what we, uh, when we sign the letters, are asking for is, is that targeted approach based on specific recommendations rather than a blunt instrument of open or closed, and and I think they have started to. They've absolutely started to do that. And I think the, the the change to this the gathering size for those unsupervised types of activities was was one of of a number of ways that they've done that. So, uh, you know, we are I think in that new phase. We are in that period of uh, saying open and shut is not good enough. Um, Open with conditions, open with recommendations or legislated uh, requirements, uh, you know, and and only closed under the most um, egregious circumstances. And and to some extent, I've heard some of my mayoral colleagues say this: closed if you yourself, as a business, have not followed the rules. So uh, well, don't close well, everybody I'm... down; just close that business down.
0: Well, since I have I have you here, I used to own. A restaurant. Back when I was younger and wiser, um, <laughs> this is one thing that's always plagued me since the day one of COVID nineteen when they when they first locked everything down, and they start opening things up, and they're talking about social distancing in restaurants and whatnot. I've always thought that it was never a big deal to add two more criteria to a public health officers' mandate when they go into inspections. Public health officer, Halton Public Health, as well as every other regional health public health team, will go into a restaurant on a random point and do inspections to check for rancid meat, pest infestation, making sure that you're abiding by fire code criteria, that you're not overcrowded. Why can't we add, you know, give them a tape measure, go in and make sure that tables are indeed six feet apart and that they aren't overcrowding beyond what, uh, I guess, is new COVID-19 building requirements. Why is this seemingly impossible to do for Halton Public Health?
1: I, I don't think it's a possible. I think it's a good suggestion and and I think open with conditions uh is 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 the way we need to go open with restrictions where necessary legislative requirements where necessary voluntary recommendations uh where possible mm-hmm. and i think uh I, I think the community is supportive of that and and also just not closing an entire sector so we are starting eight months in you're right it's eight months to figure out uh you know how how it's spread and and the the reality of asymptomatic transmission and and we have to be extra vigilant about that and and start to put those measures in and and the simplest you know the the one simplest way to help folks avoid uh, getting it is to keep that six feet distance and and that has implications for all of our public spaces and activities, but it's not it's not complicated. It's it's uh, it's easy to understand. It's just it can be tricky in small spaces to to implement.
0: On that note, Roland's giving me the flag that our time is almost up. So uh, I want to thank you, Mayor Mead Ward, for coming on and giving your valuable time to this and uh, on these two important topics. And uh, we hope that we'll have you back on for a possible follow up episode somewhere down the road.
1: Anytime, happy to, uh, anytime I can make it work uh, in my schedule, happy to accommodate. Thanks for your interest. Thanks.
2: Thank you. Well, thanks so much to uh, Mayor Mead-Ward for joining us today and being very generous with her time. Really interesting conversation, I think. Joe, what were your impressions of what the mayor had to say?
0: It was a lot to take in two very big uh, events happening this week in Ontario news, for sure, and especially in the 905 here. We had wanted to take some time to kind of dissect what was going on and do a bit of background research into what's happening here in Halton. Uh, and we've taken a look at the, the Halton Public Health website to see what exactly the Halton Region Public Health Unit is saying about COVID-19 in the in the region. And these are just some of the things that we pulled off of the, uh, the website. But I just want to state them without giving too much of a colour commentary to them. Number one, according to Dr. Magani, in a presentation on October 21 to Regional Council, which is recorded and up on YouTube for anyone to to see, she references the Ontario COVID 19 science brief that additional measures should be considered when cases break 25 new cases per 100,000. The number that Halton mayors have been using in their letter, defending their letters in the media, has been that the cases are hovering around 30. But at the time of the signing of the letter, the numbers were actually considerably higher than 30. So uh, that has to be taken into account as well in discussing this, I think. Number two, on the Pulton public health website, the cases over time graph highlights that cases reported after October 12 should be considered with some degree of caution due to lag time between infection and reporting. Uh, number three, Dr. Megani, in her report to regional council on October 21, Stated that the primary source of infections were occurring in private homes as well as social gatherings, and that the third most common spot for infections were in dining and entertainment venues. And she goes on to emphasize that that bar and restaurants made up the most of that category. And lastly, in our interview, if you recall, uh, Mayor Mead Ward cited that a decision was made regarding Halton remaining in stage two. We were confused due to conflicting public reports, and we looked into it after the recording. And in a CP24 article, Premier Doug Ford's office made it clear to reporters that no announcement regarding Halton would be coming forward. However, Laura Stone of the Globe and Mail and Colin D'Amelio of CTV both stated on their Twitter feeds That Ontario's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Williams, as well as Halton's Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Magani, have both declined to provide recommendations on Halton so far. So that's just some kind of background information that we looked up just to educate ourselves a, a bit on this topic
2: as with so much, there's quite a bit of confusion, and I'm not necessarily being critical of anybody for that confusion, but it's not helpful. So the mayor said today that a decision had been made not to return Halton uh, into a modified stage two. I think that's the correct term. But the province is saying a decision has been made now What we're almost talking about here is is a decision not to make a decision or a decision to make a decision. You know, it's it's like something out of uh, Catch-22 or Kafka or something like that. The average citizen with the best will of the world can't make head nor tail of much of this. From my understanding of what the mayor was saying today, you know, she she said uh, very clearly that this is not about pressurizing the public health officers, yet... I don't see any way in which writing a letter to public health officers cannot be seen as putting pressure on public health officers. It is a form of lobbying. It's a form of political pressure. And I don't think you can say otherwise. The letter to uh, the mayors signed, with the exception of the mayor of Oakville, Rob Burton, the mayor of Halton Hills, Rick Burnett. Yeah, yeah. I think we've both read it through now kind of multiple times, and it seems to us that it is being critical of the Halton public health officials. So it's somewhat surprising that the mayors would have put their names to to this. Is that how you see it?
0: I find the, the phrase that I asked Mayor Meadward about was, even with our numbers continuing to decline, which... I think is a bit debatable depending on the Halton public health data that we saw. We understand that Halton's medical officer of health is pushing to move Halton region back to phase two next week in line with Peel, Toronto, York, and Ottawa. I don't see how we can interpret that other than they clearly don't want to go back to phase two, which I I do understand. I do. But I, I see it as a line of they want a way to countermand the a possible decision by Halton's public health officials is how I read that. I know that I, I gave Mayor Meadward a chance to address that, and she says she still has the confidence of Dr. McGutty, and that's I'll take that at face value. I do believe, though, that, that as you said, these letters make these decisions now political. The entire line so far... Has been the science will lead us through this pandemic, and the premier and the mayors and all the, our elected officials will be relying on epidemiologists and medical officials to guide us through this, to give us the best science scientific advice. These letters, I think, throw that policy out the window. It's a very dangerous precedent, regardless if you agree with it or not. You know what? They they might be right. I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt that they were they might be right on Halton might be A-OK. The letters themselves are problematic. The letters themselves set a precedent that for any other mayor we could be looking at Hamilton. Mayor Eisenberg could be looking at this as saying, Well, geez, maybe i I need to look at my data and I've got to make a cogent argument, write a letter to the premier and the chief medical officer, and I can avoid getting Hamilton into stage two, same as uh the mayors of Niagara, and we can't be governing through this pandemic this way of. It's yeah, yeah, well, yeah. region
2: against region, and, and we're now into horse trading over what each region gets to do during COVID. Uh, the mayor spoke about public opinion and her having the support of people in uh, in Horton. Now, she also spoke about scientific evidence and so on, but the scientific evidence comes from the public health officials. So if you're questioning the public health officials, uh, you're questioning the scientific evidence. The public opinion, whether it is overwhelmingly in favor of keeping restaurants open, and this is basically, this whole thing is basically about restaurants, let's face it. Gyms are already shut, I believe. Mm-hmm. Public opinion it cannot be relevant in a medical crisis. You know, either we're trying to protect people or we're not. And just read that sentence again, because it is so key. Even with our numbers continuing to decline, we understand that Halton's medical officer of health is pushing to move Halton region back to phase two next week in line with Peel, Toronto, York and Ottawa. And the whole letter is to say, don't do that. Yes. So that it cannot be read any other way as the thing that the Halton medical officer is pushing for is wrong and we want you to stop it. Mm. That That is very problematic. And I'm really not so sure that public opinion is as obvious as the mayor seems to believe. Uh, it may be obvious... From what arrives on her desk, from the people who are, who are in terrible situations because they're trying to run businesses in, in this dreadful time, the people I know in Burlington and Ontario are not representative of anything very much. But but nor is any random sampling of people. All I can say is I'm not hearing anybody saying, "Oh my goodness, we can't close down again." Because we, we <laughs> it, it seems to to many of us uh, the people in my circles, whatever. That the last thing we want to do is mess this up now, having come so far, and that that would be a, a far worse thing to do than to, in pursuit of a small amount of money, take take a risk now. I, I think the mayor kind of
0: hit the nail on the head. My last question to her in the interview, she's right when we don't have enough information about these decisions. The letter from the mayors and the regional chair to the premier and, and the chief medical officer asking for clarity and a clear path forward and a clear plan to address COVID-19 and how do you keep businesses functioning and, and working in this pandemic, that was spot on. I fully endorse that. And it's going back to our episode with Mike Gibbs uh, talking about communications is that we don't have enough transparency on this. We don't know why these decisions are being made. We can't be running this economy on an open and shut premise. You know, let's let's go as far as we can while we can until oh numbers are too high. Okay, everybody shut down again. Businesses cannot run in this manner. I can't totally fault the, the mayors for wanting to do something. I get the frustration. And I know that they're getting phone calls and emails and they're they're hearing from small business owners all over the region. They're worried about their livelihoods. And I get it. It's it's a terrifying time. You know, that, that's kind of where we need we, we need that leadership. I think these letters just muddy the waters a lot. I don't think this provides a clear path. My worry is that it sets a, the premier has set a precedent of, yeah, if you want your region to stay open, write some letters and, and give me a call and put some pressure on, and I'll do what I can to ignore the medical science. Because here's the thing. What if they're wrong and numbers start climbing up? We say, yeah, numbers aren't are great now. The problem is the numbers are from two weeks ago. This isn't real-time data. This is from two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And even the, the Haltons website is saying, take these numbers with some caution. And we're basically saying, yeah, everything's great. We're going to run out stage three for the rest of the pandemic. And I don't
2: know if we can do that. If the communication from Halton has been the the public health officer saying, it's true, Halton is not as badly affected as many other places. Depending where you are in Halton, it's far from a non-entity. If you're in Milton, uh, there are really some quite high numbers in Milton, and yet the mayor of Milton was one of the people putting his name to this. But that risk you're taking and that confusion that you've now contradicted the, the, the health officer who has been telling people to, okay, now's the time, we're clearly in stage two, mm-hmm. uh, we're in the second wave rather, better way to put it, we're now in the, clearly in the second wave, we need to increase our care and the number of isolating measures we're taking. They have now muddied that message to basically say, Mayor Burton, basically saying, you know, we're different in Halton. We're a different kind of breed of people somehow. I I think what he means is, and there may be some truth to this, middle class people are really good at looking after their own interests. I know. Uh, But I, I think that's... Not a particularly lovely message to send out either to say we're different so we should have different rules from from the rest of the, of the province. Here's the thing that I'm
0: always shocked at is the notion that the the virus is going to end at Winston Churchill Boulevard. We've heard the the anecdotal stories. I'm sure our listeners out there have heard from other restaurants in the area of people from Peel, people from Brampton and Mississauga, even as far away as Toronto, coming out to our bars and our restaurants. We know that the... Before the gym shut down, folks with Good Life and LA Fitness memberships were leaving Peel to come and work in gyms in Halton. We can't be looking at ourselves necessarily as an island in the storm. We, we, We are connected. It's a difficult time for certain. I get the mayors wanting to advocate on behalf of small businesses. I do. I just, I think this is the wrong way to do it. I think the effort should have been put towards that letter from the regional chair, the region and the mayors asking for a plan. A clear plan. And I think that's something that I think all the mayors and the regional uh, chairs around the province ought to be starting to step up and put pressure on the province of, we need an actual plan, not this, let's see how far we can go before we have to shut down. Because you're going to kill the economy that way, for certain. We need to find a way to live with COVID. We need to figure out what measures need to be taken and what tools small businesses need to make a transition into a COVID-19 centric economy. And yeah, I'm going to put it out right there. The province needs to step up and put some money behind this and actually provide funds to small businesses to make this transition. Um, not just, we'll buy some plexiglass and disinfect the hand terminal. If we're talking about uh, overhauling rental agreements to protect uh, expenses that way, So be it. If we're talking about major capital investment to help upgrade equipment and PPE that way, so be it. I don't think we can sit with this shrug, shrug your shoulders at the podium, say, I feel for you, and then wait until the numbers get so high. And hopefully, your your mayor sends in a letter. We can't be going on in this manner.
2: Yeah, I I think that is actually the, the best point is that it shouldn't be an argument about do we stay open or do we shut. It should be an argument about how do we get restaurants into a business model that works in a COVID world. And of course, that question is probably one with dollars attached. Back in 2008, the auto industry, we bailed it out because it was too important to fail. Mm -hmm. How many people does the restaurant industry uh, employ in Ontario? How much money does it contribute to the economy? Well, clearly it's important because, you know, everybody's trying to keep those restaurants open. So uh, if it's not safe to do in a traditional model, you know, ultimately, this is getting spread by people like Sam Usterhoff having meetings at the Holiday Inn with his family and being a jerk. Yeah.
0: I Parts want to the clarify for legal purposes, it wasn't a Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want Holiday Inn to come after us. They're very fine people, and they did not host Sam Usterhoff's event. It was a small restaurant in Niagara Falls, or Niagara region, I should say. And they actually posted the social media. Saying that they requested him not to, him and his party, wear a mask and social distance, which, you know, the photographic evidence proves they did not. So our leaders
2: can't even follow their own guidelines, it seems. Well, I actually, refuse. It's, it's disgraceful. However, these are the two primary ways this was being driven. And until gyms were shut down, that was the third way gyms, restaurants, family gatherings. If those three things are controlled, this disease will go away. It cannot spread without the social interactions. By dickering over how we stay open, how we get around the rules, how we can still behave like normal and still tell ourselves that we're being good citizens, all we're doing is spreading this thing out over multiple years when we could be in a New Zealand situation right now, or a PEI situation, or an Nova Scotia situation, where they got this thing under control and they kept it under control, I believe. You know what? I say we leave it at
0: that for this week, and we'll uh, probably be on top of this for in the next few weeks to come, I'm sure.
2: For sure. See you next week, everybody.
0: That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.